Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to Dog Breath. Dog Breath. Number 35 here. Alright. So here we are. It's been a long time, I feel like, since I did this. You know, I... I wanted to say something at the beginning of this Dog Breath. I'll tell you what happened. Last Thursday, I recorded Dog Breath 34... And then I did what I often do, or maybe I, no, I didn't go out for a walk then, but sometime later in the next day or two, I went out for a walk and I listened to the episode in its raw form while I walked, and I had an experience that I had not had with dog breath, which was I felt embarrassed and ashamed and I felt guilty and I felt like I was out of pocket, man. I said some things that I shouldn't have said. Uh, certain kinds of opinions or energy came out that I don't know if it's the real me. And I felt bad about it. And I got kind of bummed about it. And I was just like looking within and asking myself, like, what are you doing, dude? We have to reflect and, and uh, on our own conduct pretty regularly. I was basically ashamed of it. And I thought it was the first time in doing like 70 of these things, if you include the meditation group, that I was embarrassed and ashamed by the way I conducted myself. I think I talked about women in ways that were not quite cool and uh, not reflective of who I am as a person, is what people often say when they're apologizing for for poor behavior. But I just, I was not, I was not okay with it. And you know, and I also was on a swearing kick you know, sometimes when I start swearing, I just don't stop. And it's it's F this, F that. I believe I called someone a name who's regularly, you know, really criticized very openly in public and with, with good reason. But I just, I started to think about like, what, hey Liz, hey Sheila, I started to think about like, what is my purpose here? I've wanted this thing to, to be a bit of a talk show. And the thing I realize now is that people with talk shows, they've got to talk and they got to talk about stuff. And before long, you say something you shouldn't have said. And I like the idea of a, of a bit of a talk show. Although I'm not quite there with guests yet. I don't know how I would do that. So I'm, I'm just sticking with solo and I'm, I'm doing my own thing. And I'm trying to have it fit in with the rest of my life. So we've, we've pulled back, pulled back pretty strongly to two dog breath a week. But after that last thing, I haven't wanted to sit and listen to it. I haven't wanted to edit it. I haven't put up a new one on the podcasting sites in like two weeks. I'm, you know, seven or eight behind there. And I thought, you know, when it came to the podcasting sites and, and editing it for sound, I thought maybe I'll just skip episode 34 uh, I don't know if I should do that. I didn't even know if I was going to bring it up, actually, this morning, because I thought, oh, well, everybody will just kind of forget it. Maybe people didn't even notice. Maybe I'm overreacting. But I had a little crisis there, a little mini-crisis about this project. And then I started to think that it was a good thing, that you eventually have to, you know, go too far or, or make a mistake or... I always used to say back when I was an actor that I didn't think the part was going to be, the performance would be any good if I didn't 
become despondent and lose hope at some point and was frustrated about how it was going. So I know this is like part of my process. And I think, you know, I, you know, some of it came off as pretty like gossip raggy. I don't really want it to become like a, a gossip show. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I know nobody cares, but it's just, I love the people who tune in. You guys are so wonderful. And I think it's, maybe less about exactly what I say rather than just that we get to spend a little time together and share some vibe. So that was my first card for today was my apologies. I'm sorry it was lower than the standard that I wish to uh, to adhere to. Okay, so I also have a, this another card here, a day off. So today is pretty much a day off. After this is over, I don't have anything scheduled for the rest of the day. It's a pretty stark contrast to yesterday where I had four uh, yoga sessions during the day and I did two of them so I practiced a lot of yoga I went for my walk yesterday and today I have a day off but we're really looking for today to be a kind of get shit done day there's some there's the like the big project that I said I wanted to do the whole the whole quarantine has been to clean out this hallway closet and repurpose some of it do you have one of those closets that has a couple of hammers and some light bulbs and extension cords and some weird products or shit that you might need once every 11 years. Like we, we've got the stain to like restain our piano. Actually, we're just trying to get rid of this piano now. Well, this piano has been taking up space forever. My wife wanted to get it tuned and then she paid for a dude to come over to tune it and he opened it up and he's like, you should throw this thing out right away. That it was like, it had been broken, and then they put it together badly, like with wire and glue or something, and then uh, sold it. And, you know, us chumps bought it at the Glendale Community College some 20 years ago. We wanted to have a piano in our house. I don't remember why. I think I had heard on public radio that there was going to be a piano sale, and... Sometimes I get weird and I want things like a piano or a motorcycle. Or Last night we were talking about driving tests because my daughter has her driving test. Why? It's today. So I have, that's one, that's the one thing I have to do today is I have to drive my daughter over to the Culver City DMV. And then she's going to get her, she's going to do her driving test at the age of 21. So... I did mine at 16, so she's she's like five years behind me there, which is maybe not a terrible idea to skip the teens driving if you don't have to or don't have a car. But anyway, she's going to have to get on our insurance, and we're going to get her over there. We were talking about learning to drive really well, and that the thing to do is to go to like a racetrack uh, driving center place or whatever and and take an intermediate driving skills thing so you can learn to do four get out of four point skids you can do close maneuvering you can really learn to drive a vehicle quite intensely and i kind of think that you know as a teenager i was such a wild fool with who held my life lightly that uh i would take that little British sports car that my dad had, the MGB. And I'd take it out in the snow. I'd do donuts. I, I was I knew every element of a four-point skid and steering out of uh, steering out of trouble. 
and it's come in handy. I had one time where I think we were on the the Interstate 5 freeway. We were coming back from like San Francisco, maybe 20 years ago, and somebody like stopped right in front of me, and I had to hit the brakes and go from 80 to zero. And as soon as I started to try to break, that the car started fishtailing. And and I controlled it. I, I countered when the car was spinning one way, then the other way, spinning one way, then the other way, and then pulled over to the side before I, I hit the guy. And I did it all just in a few seconds. It was just like very strong driving moves. I think most people's instinct is to slam on the brakes. Uh, but I was pumping the brakes and, and in the middle of all of it, you know, it was just... I had I had some good instincts, but I I, I still think I'd like to to go to an intermediate driving school and and have my daughters do it as well. So I think we're going to start with Julia is going to is going to start her first, you know, driving in the Ross parking lot today and and Martha's going to get her license we hope today. We got to handle all that insurance. It was a sometimes you think like what haven't I done in life that I'd really like to do? Oh, I don't know things like maybe learn a, another language. I've never succeeded at doing. That's still on the list. But one of the things that had been on the list when I was in my 30s was that I wanted to to know how to ride a motorcycle. It was always a silly idea that I was like, well, when the when it's Escape from Los Angeles in the fall of Los Angeles, if you have a motorcycle, you'll be able to get out of town. But if you have a car, all the highways will be packed and everybody will be stuck. But if you have a motorcycle, you just get the whole family up on the motorcycle and you take off. You can drive, you know, right over the mountain. That was my rationale. It was kind of foolish. But then I, I went and I went to motorcycle school, and they did it at the VA, and we learned on these little little motorcycles. They were 250cc. And then I went and I bought a motorcycle, and I was a fool about that, too. Uh, you, you never want to buy an old motorcycle that's been sitting in a garage for 15 years. There was a, a, a motorcycle mechanic. Maybe that was what made me think it was okay. He'd been a motorcycle mechanic, and then he'd gotten ill and died, and... And he had like 35 motorcycles in his garage. And I saw one I liked and I, I paid $1,000 for it. And then I spent another $1,000 getting it running and it still ran like crap. And, and it was not really a, a motorcycle I should have bought. Which aided in me eventually like letting it go. I had a few fantastic motorcycle rides. I had one motorcycle ride that was the motorcycle ride of my life. When I came out of a yoga class and then I got on my motorcycle and I rode home. But I was like so open and free and my energy was perfect and I... I rode that motorcycle so seamlessly. I think coming to it so late, I uh, I was always a, a rather, you know, extremely cautious motorcycle rider. Um, but now and then, so when eventually that motorcycle broke down again, and it was going to be another thousand bucks, and maybe if it was even worth it, I was just like, I'm just going to give it away to my my motorcycle mechanic friend. Who I think got a couple hundred bucks for it, and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll ride a motorcycle again someday. But then we had another set of kids, and I was like, I got four kids now. I can't have anything go wrong. And so I let go of, I let go of riding a motorcycle. I figured I might pick it up. I might, you know, ride a Harley when I'm in my 60s or something like that, when everybody's grown up and nobody needs me anymore. Uh, one of my students died in a motorcycle accident. Uh, maybe it's last year, or maybe it's two years ago. Uh, and she was just like a beatific yogi and beautiful gal. She was like, I think maybe she was 31 years old or something like that when it happened. I mean, she still was in the absolute prime of her life. It wasn't her fault. She hadn't made a mistake. It was somebody else had made a mistake. But, you know, the person on the motorcycle often pays for, uh, you know, 
a little mistake. I remember riding my motorcycle, and you could, you're, when you're on a motorcycle, you're like looking right down into someone's car. You're kind of right next to them and stuff when you split lanes or pass them or whatever. And the way people are distracted drivers these days, you know. I don't know. She she was on like a highway on the in the Smoky Mountains, and and somebody had you know was taking a left turn across her lane around around a blind curve which is like a bad place to do it i guess they they're just being fools and then she hit the thing and she flew and and uh medical help rushed to her but she died on the scene and uh another yoga teacher local yoga teacher who was one of her favorite teachers and is a friend of mine charlie samos he was crushed and he he was closer to her than I was, and although I felt that we were close, she was going to come to me come with me to Bulgaria one year. Uh, she came to my class pretty regularly, and and just you know she was the one who brought up the that the problem with yoga these days is the the low quality of studentship. I think low quality of teaching too, if you want to be really honest. But low quality of studentship is that students you know it's like a it's like picking up a Starbucks to go to a yoga class. There's not a real study of yoga like there used to be. I just like thinking about how the culture of yoga used to be 15, 20 years ago in ways that was like really good. And what was really good is that like there were a lot of more people that were obsessed with yoga and it wasn't like they were at a fashion show. Okay. And there was just something more to it and maybe you know we've been disillusioned with a lot of bullshit in yoga but sometimes when you have those illusions it's it's people are people believe and they're dedicated you know and now we're a little bit more sanguine about the whole thing and i kind of feel the same way i've always felt and and i don't know i just i remember there being like a whole population of people that were very dedicated to yoga now it's it's you see one of them every once in a while, you know, maybe they don't come to my class, maybe they're over in somebody else's class, but it, real dedicated, serious yogis who are, who are working it. And, you know, I think maybe that'll, it'll come back. I think it is happening now. Or maybe yoga just doesn't need to be as intense. I think yoga can, can serve everybody. And you just have to figure out how, and taking it down from some kind of pedestal of people who are like the initiate super serious people uh was an entryway for me because i did feel like there was a a barrier between where i was and what you know people who were more advanced or whatever in yoga but now it just feels all silly okay i'm just trailing off for that so we have a day off but actually i forgot we i'm taking my daughter to get her driver's license let's hope she passes uh i, th I think that she has a decent chance of passing but she she certainly still makes mistakes and I don't know if she's really been trained to the test. You know, if you have a class and they're like, this is how you have to do this or else you will fail. Uh, you know, the big one is no rolling stops. And then also you have to visually check your blind spot. And in those people, they put you at, uh, don't put you at ease when you're getting your driving test. And so uh, having my daughter, you know, being someone who has some like anxiety issues and gets freaked out. I just hope it goes well. She manages her anxiety and that she doesn't piss off the teacher and that she performs well and she can pass the test. So I hope it goes well. And let's just leave motorcycles alone for a minute. Okay, that's my advice. You know, unless you're an old school rider of motorcycles, then you have, you know, very safe way of riding and you have a good rhythm with it. Maybe just recognize who would miss you if you were gone. And so many people die on, on motorcycle accidents. So I'm going to leave it alone for a while, but maybe later I'll go back. 
Okay, next card, Satan Tacos. All right, so my wife makes Satan, and I, I'm wondering whose recipe it is, but I think it's Anne Gentry's recipe. Do you know who Anne Gentry is? She wrote a cookbook, but she really, she opened a restaurant, She had, and she opened two of them, and the name of the restaurant is Real Food Daily. It's a vegan restaurant from back in the day. Uh, some people loved it. Some people hated it. I know a guy who used to call it real bland food daily, but I didn't think it was bland. I thought it was delicious, and you'd get all different kinds of amazing stuff there. Uh, we loved their kind of BLT thing and with all vegan ingredients, but all their salads too. Or they would do a macrobiotic bowl, so you had like beans and rice and little fermented vegetables and and then great dressing to put on top of it and they always had good bread and then would have like a pureed carrot spread that was spiced you put on the bread yeah we love that place and it was down the street from the studio just a couple doors down I spent a lot of money there over the years they were really good at the desserts but anyway her this gal and gentry who who owned it she had a fantastic seitan recipe. So if you know what seitan is, it's uh, it's vital wheat gluten. So you're taking the the gluten, the protein. I don't know exactly what the hell it is. It's you know from wheat, and you can have a powder. But once you mix it up, it turns into rubber right away. It tastes like you're chewing on a rubber tire. But some people have been like working with this material. Yeah, Jules, you used to go to RFD. That's right, Real Food Daily. That's what it was. But she made a she made a version of it that had some other ingredients that that had that the other ingredients did something to the to the vital wheat gluten and then the spice mix and then it was like how you prepared it. And so she started making that. Maybe she started making it 10 years ago or 15 years ago. And then she makes these little loaves. You cook them in the oven. I don't know exactly how she does it. She taught Julia how to do it just recently. And then once you got those slices, there's ways to use it. Now, if you're not a vegan, like we're not vegans anymore so much. Everybody's at least a vegetarian in the house. We're not really eating meat. We're, we're really a kind of like once or twice a month meat people. We're eating a little bit, but, you know, not like the old days. And so you have this stuff, and then you can slice. It could, it's almost like if you sliced it thin, it'd almost be like a, a gyro you know meat. Good morning, Melanie. Always great to see you here and have you stop in. I hope you have a wonderful day too. So you could see so what I start, you know, what I started doing was I would slice it and I would fry it in butter. It was so good. Or you, and you know that spice zatar, it's a spice mix. It gets, it puts zatar on it, fried in butter, put it in a pita. What I used to love to do with seitan was to put it in a pita with, with a little bit of tahini and a little bit of soy sauce and some lettuce and maybe a hummus. Maybe it is, Tanya. Maybe you do teach the creator of the seitan. I think my wife has altered the recipe a little bit. It's not exactly what, what you would get at the restaurant. But I think she's improved it. So what I do when I make seitan tacos, you can cut it up all different kinds of ways. So you like the second level of preparation. So once she's made these loaves, what I do, or what I ask my wife to do, is to toss one of them into the food processor and process it down to like a crumble, like you know, like ground beef kind of level or even maybe a little bit finer and then I'll add some chili pepper and maybe a little cumin and a little paprika or something a little spice mix and then I'll 
all fried in the pan until it gets to like just the right everything with all this vegan stuff is like you're trying to go for a certain consistency so it's when you first grind it up it's still a little spongy and moist but if you get it in the pan and you cook it it kind of becomes a little crunchy but then it's also has got a little spring back and, and you get the spice mix going and then we have these these tortillas that we get that I don't, I don't it's like they're not fully made it's like they're mostly made and then I put those in a hot skillet and uh, get those suckers cooking so that they're like, it's a nice tortilla. It's a corn tortilla. It's a little perfect for a taco. And I'll put on some, and I, you know, for a normal taco, you might just, it's not, I'm not like a purist about a taco. Okay. I mean, I'll put anything in a taco that I want. So we put down a little refried beans. That's the base. And then you put some of that stuff on it. Tablespoon, tablespoon and a half. And then we'll put some pickled onions and a, a dollop of real sour cream so that's we had sour cream around and and uh, i did that so we put and that's like you don't need if you're not a vegan you don't really need to add cheese there's times that i've made it where i've added cheese so i'm even eating like a vegan meat but then it has like it has cheese on it or something but we didn't put it i didn't put any cheese last night and then i'll take some salad greens that's sort of my new thing is is uh eating salads all the time so there was a place and it's closed now just like the Real Food Daily in Santa Monica is closed. I think the one still exists in Hollywood, maybe. But the closed place, what was I, what was, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, okay. So we used to go to this place called Earl's Grub. It was on Venice Boulevard in Mar Vista. And they just did everything so it was like, it was a hipster place. You know, a guy with a beard making your breakfast or whatever. And they would they had their just like two eggs. It was just two eggs fried perfectly and then breakfast potatoes next to it. and then it, But it was served with a salad, and the salad was, like, significant. And we just sort of got into that and sort of got into this idea of having, like, for breakfast, you make a salad with a vinaigrette, and then you put an egg up on top of it. Maybe if you had something else that you could put up on top of it as well, as like uh, potatoes would be ideal, in my opinion. Oh, so we've been doing a lot of salad. So so my taco, I've, I'll put a significant amount of greens on it. And then a little hot sauce. We put on some of my hot sauce. And then the girl's favorite hot sauce these days is Cholula. So anyway, I was the guy who went in to make the, you know, in-between Downton Abbey snack. And uh, and my tacos went well last night. It went well. I was happy with it. Oh, and I also sliced up a little avocado. So we had a little avo off the food truck, off the produce truck that comes by anyway i love a good taco and i like eating everything with a salad i remember saying at one point oh god i haven't had a salad in so long i gotta eat a salad and i was talking to my friend and, and she said oh i eat a salad every day and i was like oh yeah there's an idea eat a salad every day and now i'm like just get a get the salad going early my system functions so much better if i'm if i'm really putting the greens in there i go long periods of time where i haven't been living that way really like i was when Santa Monica Power Yoga was closing. I got so obsessed with ramen. I ate ramen every single day for a long time. And it, I wasn't feeling good about it, but I was like, I, you know, I was putting all of my emotions into the, uh, into the soup bowl. All right, here we are. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm going to just do a little bit of moving around here before we get to the breath work. I feel like we're going to make it through this dog breath and that maybe I'm back on track. Isn't this the comeback? Oh, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. But I guess uh, you know, my wife and the kids are so into K-pop. They're so into Blackpink and BTS. 
and then every time that they some you know some one of those k-pop groups has not put out a record for a while then they get put on a new song the new song is called their comeback it's like i'm back again but it's not like a comeback like they were down and and uh, living in the gutter and they pulled their life back together it's not that kind of comeback it's just like hey i'm back with my next thing all right so we're gonna do some some breath work today i integrated a little breath work into the beginning of a class i taught yesterday where we just did holds at the top and holds at the bottom with uh, with the bandhas. And I know when some people teach pranayama, they are they really want to be much more subtle from the beginning. And I remember this one teacher saying recently, uh, nothing like taking a full breath or anything like that or filling all the way up right now. Just take a little breath and feel this or feel that or whatever. And I kind of... Maybe I'm just a guy who takes big bites. Maybe I'm a meat and potatoes pranayama guy, but I like to get really full and do those big holds and hold for a long time. And when I get down to the bottom, I want to push out maybe a little extra breath sometimes and and uh, and kind of go for it. And I wonder if sometimes it's harder on my nervous system. I know I was really concerned when I started this. I started to get like, when I was doing it every single day, uh, I was starting to get a, a sore throat and I was concerned I had COVID, but it was just because maybe I, my, my, uh, Ujjayi was a little bit, uh, a little bit rough. You know, we we're hoping to become more subtle and sensitive, but I don't want to be so tiptoeing and, you know, I just want to go in there and get it. You know, sometimes you just go there and you take a bite of the sandwich so we're going to do these these holds. All right. Oh, sit up tall. Feel what you feel. So the lungs have no muscle. The muscles all around it, all the muscles around the lungs and down to the diaphragm, all of it is that's your breathing muscles. So use the muscles, take bigger breaths and Run it through the filter, breathing through the nose. So first just the ujjayi, in and out. to the top hold at the top dip your chin gather in the hips lift the pelvic floor and belly and then level your chin exhale let it flow out slow and smooth get a little emptier and then take the belly in and up Soften the belly and inhale. Hold at the top. 
Level the chin, exhale. Get a little emptier at the bottom, squeeze out some more. And then work your bandhas. Release the belly, inhale. Hold at the top. Level the chin, exhale. Bottom, hold, lift the belly. Release, inhale. And exhale, let's release. A little more casual attitude. So what I felt was that the bandhas at the bottom, it was amazing to uh, really feel some a lot of the juices were moving around inside and I felt the desire to do a little more churning so now I'd like to do the same thing we did before but then adding in pumping in Uddiyana Banda in and out uh, you can also if you want to make it Nauli Kriya you can make more funky moves with that belly down there at the bottom you know the idea with this is you never never have to be with me you know, it's okay to challenge yourself and go a little far, but, you know, you realize you may have to dial it back and try to have, like, a little more easeful attitude. You shouldn't be uh, freaking out and super tense. And the thing is, once you get into one of those holds, and you're up there at the top, and you're holding, and you start to feel things and hear things, and your awareness is sensitive. You, you know, crow, cawing in the street. Uh, it's just a, I take it all in in a different way. All right. So we're going to do that. We're going to do the pumping of Uddiyana Bandha. So reestablish your Ujjayi. Inhale to the top. Hold at the top. And level your chin. Exhale. Get down to the bottom. Belly in and up, and then pump it. And inhale. Hold at the top. 
Level the chin and exhale. Squeeze out a little more. Belly in and up and pump it. And inhale. Hold at the top. And exhale. And then let's uh, let that be it. Do your recovery breaths, inhales and exhales. Breezy. See how you feel. I feel a warmth radiating from the solar plexus. Let's transition into, into our sit. So sit gently, quietly, silently, mostly. And tune in, listen, feel.
Okay, blink those eyes open. Take a look around you, maybe twist one way and then the other way. Take a good look around you. Mm. All right. We did it. We succeeded. And I'll uh, I'll be working through that backlog and I'm not going to hide my mistakes, I don't think. I'm going to put out all of it. It's a small group who listens to it anyway. It's a personal process. And I just want to send you support and some love. And I hope that you can cope with what you're working through. And and go inside. Go inside and look within. That's where the answers are. All right, be well. Peace.